0: All right. Hello and welcome to RealCom's first webinar series titled Workplace Evolution, Trends and Immersive Experiences. I'm Chuck Nicewanger, your RealCom host for today's webinar, the current state of work from home, return to work, hybrid trends and immersive experiences. What employers thought about these topics two or three years ago has significantly changed over time. And in this webinar, we'll explore these topics and more with our expert panel. But before we get started, let me go over a few housekeeping items to help you have a great webinar experience. First of all, thanks again to our live attendees. We do encourage you to use the Q&A box on the bottom of your left screen to submit questions or comments. It's always better when you're an active participant, we wanna hear from you, we wanna hear your questions, and we'll try to address all of them that we can on today's panel discussion. In the handout section, you'll find more detailed bios of our panelists and a copy of today's slide deck. Um, For the best webinar experience, we do recommend closing out any other internet applications, especially streaming videos. They do use up a lot of bandwidth sometimes. You may be watching this remotely from your home or in a reserved office or even in a specifically designed office neighborhood, which goes exactly along with this topics today. Either way, I think you'll benefit from our panel's perspective. If you are experiencing any technical issues with connectivity, sound, or video quality, the best thing to do is to disconnect and click on the webinar link again. You can also email Ian at thompson that's I-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N, at realcom.com for help during the event. But don't worry, you won't miss anything since you will receive a link to the webinar recording later today. And we've included my email, In case you think of questions for the panel while you're watching this recording, just send them to me and I'll forward them along. This educational webinar is supported by our outstanding sponsors. Accruant offers comprehensive software solutions to your facilities, assets and people. Drive effortless customer experiences, maximize growth and unlock your business's full potential with Accruant. FreeSpace helps some of the world's largest employers overcome the key workplace challenges of too much real estate, unsuitable space types, or bringing employees back to the office. Their suite of proprietary products, configurable apps, and software provides a fully integrated approach to fulfilling these goals. We are so grateful for the contributions of these technology partners to our industry to realcom and to helping us educate viewers in sessions just like these. If you've tuned in to learn more about the latest in this type of technology workspace, you're in the right place and check out our vendors for your evaluation process. Our moderator today is Francisco Acoba, principal at Ernst Young, specializing in strategy and transactions and Corporate Real Estate Consultant. Welcome, Francisco.
1: Great, thanks, Chuck. Appreciate it. Glad to be with you guys today.
0: All right, I'm gonna go off camera and give it to you and and, uh, watch from the safety of the
1: helicopter. All right, very good. All right, well, welcome, everybody. Um, Great to have everybody on. We have a great great group on the line today. Um, As Chuck mentioned, this is uh, part one of a a two-part series on on the topic of, of workplace evolution uh, trends and and immersive experiences uh, today, in particular, we're going to focus more on the, the current state of work from home, return to office, talk about hybrid trends, and really what's what's happening in the marketplace, what's changed, and how this has been evolving in the in the past six to twelve months uh, as we're now um, you know certainly come uh, full steam out of the out of the pandemic. Uh, so so just a, maybe a few introductory thoughts before we we dive into our our panelists. Um, So the the hybrid work model clearly has been with us for a while now, right? So that are part of the last 25 to 30 years in in one way or another. Um, But the reality is that there are still questions. Uh, We are all still um, in many ways working through how to make this most effectively work for each of us and for each of our organizations. Uh, One of the aspects that has certainly come to the forefront As critical is the topic of the hybrid workplace uh, and thinking about you know how this is very much a core component uh, in the success or failure of any of these programs Um, you know on top of this market uncertainty has certainly uh, come to the forefront in the last few months Uh, there's you know new dynamics around uh, occupiers and owners of space and thinking about the impact of, uh, of of reduced occupancy, what does that mean for their for their assets for their their buildings campuses uh, and and the ecosystem of services and activities that go with that uh, in in these large um, and and complex ecosystem locations uh, so that's something that we we all will get into a little bit today as well um one of the other topics that we'll dive into is the concept of how uh, expectations have changed uh, for for employees and for employers. Um, no no surprise to anyone on this call. Certainly, um, you know the, the 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 competing interest between the home office, the virtual office, anywhere, and then of course the the actual physical office environment at 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 your at your organization. How does that work? How does that a mix of space types and experiences uh, support uh, each individual employee and different type of worker. It's, it's a complex landscape. Uh, you know, we, we talk a lot about the flight to quality, uh, but then also, you know, competing for the commute. You know, even if your office and, and is in, in a great, great location and it's uh, fully modernized and and enabled, um, in many cases, it's still a bit difficult to to get folks to wholeheartedly come back to the office um, people have uh, have adapted to a, a much more flexible environment uh, and uh, you know we need to see, see how that's going to play out going forward. So today's panel will will address or, or discuss many of these topics um, I think we know we'll, we'll talk about um, also some of the impacts around performance. Um, and monitoring performance and on talent, uh, and and what what all of these different topics mean to that that landscape, uh, which clearly is gonna be important for for all of our organizations going forward. So uh, with that, uh, let's uh, jump forward to our first panelist, uh, who is uh, Maya Sechkova, Uh, and and Maya is a managing director uh, at Cushman Wakefield, and welcome Maya, good to uh, to connect with you again. Maya has been uh, working with a, a large technology global account and leading that account across all service lines for Cushman and Wakefield for a number of years. And she also has purview over, over many other accounts as well, so can provide us a broader perspective uh, as well. Uh, she has about 20 years of experience in real estate uh, and is passionate about introducing innovative technologies uh, to the traditionally conservative uh, real estate sector. Uh, so, Maya, I'll turn it over to you to to give us a little bit of an overview on your perspective uh, on all of these uh, important talks.
2: Thanks, Francisco. great to be here, and um, great to be on a panel that you're moderating again. So I have quite a few slides, and um, I'll go fast, but um, uh, there's uh, plenty of time for Q&A after, and um, uh, feel free to reach out
3: to me uh, uh, offline as well. Give me a second. It's a little slow at the beginning.
2: Okay, so the most frequently asked question to, uh, that, that is asked of any CNW employee uh, and in particular our workplace experience team uh, is what are the trends and observations that they're seeing uh, right now in workplace uh, information. Uh, These this slides, most of them anyways, were prepared by the Client Solutions and Total Workplace team and um, Um, uh, The um, um, observations are based on the total um, experience experience per square foot survey uh, that um, has been done over the past three years. So starting with COVID uh, up to the end of 2022. So that's a lot of data that these are based on and also client discussions, um, all sorts of publications. So it's a, a broad spectrum of information that is contained in this. Uh, The first observation is that companies are still watching what others are doing, but more and more companies are um, encouraging their employees and requesting them to be in the office at least once or twice a week. Um, The second observation is that regardless of uh, market, industry or generation, most employees seek flexibility. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in the next couple of slides um as as before commutes are still the number one deterrent to return to office and um number 4 the office needs to be a people place but also a place to work so amenities and equipment are also important but as number 5 um states uh, although they're important uh, they're not the ones that drive change alone and uh, number 6 and i'll talk about this a little bit more too is that um It's important to have engagement of uh, leadership and um, and intentionality in the whole RTO process. Okay, so let's talk about flexibility. This slide shows two bar charts. One shows location flexibility and the other one schedule flexibility. The blue bars show employees who don't have a choice and the gray ones employees who have a choice. As you can see, um, across both location and schedule flexibility and across all types of um, employee experience, uh, we have like five types of employee experience that are measured here. Uh, It is very significant. um, uh, We see see a very uh, significant um, change uh, change in experience um, for employees who have a choice and employees who don't have a choice. So employees with choice report significantly better, about 27 26% better experience than employees with no choice. So choice is important. How about attendance? So frequency of attendance is also important. Um, employees report uh, better experience when they attend more frequently. Uh, but this is marginal compared to the choice um, factor. So um, it's 7% and 5% across those two categories in the bar charts. Um, And um, when it comes to choice, it's 26, 27%. So it's uh, significantly more important to have choice than to be attending frequently. And this slide shows um, the um, general um, willingness of employees to attend, uh, to be in the office. It varies across industries, but overall 52% of employees would like to be in the office at least once a week. And now let's talk about the gap between the individual contributors and the C-suite, which is pretty important. And this is something that needs to be addressed um, in everyone's RTL strategy. So C-suite and um, executive leadership tends to want to go to the office a lot more often than individual contributors. 68% of executive leadership would like to be in the office um, two or more times a week, whereas 80% of individual contributors would like to be in the office two times or less. Uh, so that's that's significant and needs to be addressed. Um, I'll just go briefly over a, a case study that was done in 2022 of 30,000 employees of a global tech company across 22 countries, 43 markets, um, and about a little over half of the employees responded. So that's significant. Um, the study was aimed at understanding RTO barriers and drivers. And this slide is hard to read, but one of the surprising findings was that dual monitors, of all things, were um, the number number one reason for people to want to go back to the office, as well as the overall equipment, um, the ease of use, the um, Um, tech cafe that is there, Uh, how easy it is to use um, um, the conference rooms for hybrid meetings, Um, our ergo chair and things like sit-stand desk. Uh, All of these were important. Out of the food and beverage and amenities options, gourmet uh, coffee and tea were important as well and, and healthy snacks. The rest of the amenities were a little bit less important with soft soft seating which you know we all think it looks cool but it was the second to last and the last one was uh, video cameras i guess people have a bit of a zoom fatigue or just video call fatigue so um interesting interesting findings there now return to office drivers have changed also over the uh, past couple of years uh, this is a study again part of the total uh, of the experience for square foot study that I referred to earlier. Um, In uh, 2020, um, there was more more, um, emphasis on access to tools and physical resources, better technology, ability to focus. But this changed by the end of 2022, and the office became more of a people place. So 13% increase for, um, for the ease of socializing, so people realized, well, I can't really socialize over video in the same way that I can at, at the uh, at the water cooler. And um, also easier collaboration went up by 10%. Visibility to leadership, which is also very important, went up by 6%. So the office became more of a people place, but also a place to work. And uh, one other interesting fact was that uh, ten uh, um, the people who didn't see any benefit to going uh, to the office uh, went up from 5% to 15%, so that's triple. And this is something also that needs to be addressed. And to summarize, the focus has shifted. RTO has become more of a journey than uh, just a formula that people can follow and you know magically everyone will go back. No, there's no such a thing. It's, it's a process, it's continuous improvement. It's a matter of engaging everybody um, from all levels of the organization to the solution and um, also adjusting workplace um, guidelines to include experienced drivers that are the most uh, um, the, the ones that work that company culture monitoring the experience is also important through the experience team workplace experience team as well as uh, employee councils uh, who can uh, intervene and uh, make appropriate adjustments uh, based on the latest findings and um, finally, workplace technology trends uh, have, um, have also evolved significantly over the past um, uh, couple of years. Workplace experience, um, software and apps were the first ones to gain attention. Um, and after that, companies said, well, um, we don't know what employees are doing when they're in the office. We don't know what's working and what's not out of all the programs we're implementing. So they started implementing more and more sensors and then the need for data analytics and machine learning and ai came because uh, they had so much data they needed to analyze that and um, and convert it into meaningful and actionable insights um, and then the past two years everybody's lives have been about cost savings so efficiency technology came into light and also sustainability especially with energy prices and uh, prices skyrocketing Um, everywhere, and particularly in Europe. So this has been the the evolution of technology as well. Thanks Francisco, Um, happy to answer any questions.
1: Okay, great. No, thank you, thank you, Maya. Lots of information there. Lots, uh, lots to unpack. Uh, so, so maybe we can. Uh, we'll, we'll jump in with a, a couple of, a couple of questions. Maybe just at the, at the macro level. So you gave us insights into, into lots of the, the those parts and pieces um, around the, the survey uh, that, that you guys did the research piece. Um, but when you think about aligning an overall real estate strategy in a post-COVID uh, to the business. Uh, and, and driving engagement with the employees, and trying to improve productivity. Well, how do you go about about this? How do you start this discussion with with your your clients? Uh, I think this is one of the big big things that a lot of organizations um, uh, the, the, the big impediment is it's just they don't know where to start. So how how do you typically initiate this discussion? Absolutely, and um,
2: like I said earlier, there's no formula. It- really important to understand the company culture because everyone has a different approach to things uh, but um, um, engagement at every level so uh, and buy-in at every level is, is particularly important and um, understanding the needs of employees Uh, rather than just dropping something that another company is doing and and saying, oh, this works. Um, So having that uh, that engagement and buying and uh, um, creating more collaboration opportunities, now that we know that collaboration and socialization is so important, um, creating more activities and events and initiatives that would help people achieve the people goal. Uh, versus, you know, just creating the the, the amenities and, and facilities. So having that uh, soft services component uh, and this, the, the, the um, uh, interactions uh, and promoting these interactions uh, through initiatives and also through technology and uh, and the whole company culture
1: so one of the statistics that you mentioned uh, in your overview was i believe you said that that the uh, number of folks who did not see a purpose to coming back to the office increase was about by 5 or 10% overall uh, yes, in, the, 10% in the past increase, Yeah
3: it
1: tripled from so 5% to 15 so from 5% to percent okay so that's that's a that's a, a, a interesting and possibly scary uh, uh, um statistic, right? so what are your what are your thoughts there? I mean what's so uh, what's the uh, how do we how do we begin to address that?
2: yeah, I think uh, with the people who don't see any benefit, um, that possibly means that they don't see the benefit of connecting with others. So if if um, they start to um, to look at the offices a way to connect with people and uh, meet meet uh, coworkers that can help them or they can you know that that can just chat with, um, I think this this will um, uh, this will be the first step and and create activities that speak to the people who don't see the benefit, uh, kind of really focus on that target group of 15 because if we want everybody to to have some sort of presence and input into the company culture they're a very important group 15
3: percent is significant
1: right no that makes sense because, okay well great well we have a number of other questions for you that i have that, that are coming in uh, on the on the chat here but we'll we'll pick that up on the back end when we do our our panel uh we're going to switch over now to our our next uh speaker so thank you maya um i'll do a quick intro here for for Jim, uh, Jim McHale. Uh, so Jim uh, is the CEO and founder of Memory. Uh, it's an independent analyst company uh, based in Stockholm, uh, providing market research and business intelligence advice uh, to smart building uh, technology users, uh, procurers, etc. So Jim, welcome. And I'll, I'll uh, turn it over to you to, to do an overview.
4: Great, Great thanks, Francisco. <clears throat> Hope I, everyone can hear me okay. Uh, and also, want to say thanks to RealCom as well for organizing this webinar. Very happy to be here and uh, hopefully, you know, can share some interesting knowledge with you guys. So, um, as Francisco said, I'm a technology analyst and we look at the smart building uh, technology markets. Um, and recently, earlier this year, we looked at uh, some markets specifically around uh, technology. Um, this relates to the office. So that included the ones you can see here, occupancy analytics and the um, workplace experience apps markets as well. And I'm going to be showing um, a few findings from these from these learnings that you know that came from the reports. If you want some more information, feel free to go to our website, memory.com, M-E-M-O-O-R-I.com, and you'll find much more information about what we do. Right, let's see if I can move these slides forward. there we go great so uh first sort of interesting statistic uh we calculated and estimated that uh, the growth in these types of technologies are around 14% which uh, is significant uh for technology markets um i mean it speaks to a few things i think these are um uh, not particularly mature technologies right so they haven't been around for for too long um and as such you know growing quickly um and also i think absolutely being driven by um the hybrid work market um and we'll come on to a bit more of that and challenges and barriers on my next slides but just to say that you know this is these types of technologies are are, are growing and um and i think they are very interesting um applications uh, for technology in in the workplace In terms of the office market, um, I mean, just this is sort of broad some of my uh, thoughts on, on things that I've seen recently. Uh, Francisco mentioned the flight to quality. And I think that that is, you know, technology in general uh, brings challenges and opportunities to to the office market. Um, clearly, you know, it's going through um, a, a massive change at the moment um, and you know, being able to offer tenants or employees technology services um, is, is, um, is something that's, I think, fascinating for, for real estate companies and also employers as well. Um, something else uh, which I think is as important and as interesting is is sustainability and its impact on things like energy efficiency. Um, huge topic um, and definitely has some impact um, on commercial real estate, not just um, what's happening in terms of regulations and legislation so of course that uh is different for different regions uh lo- lots of interesting news coming out from new york around uh, local law 97 but specifically here i mentioned um some of the uh some of the um, regulations in the uk so uh, interesting report that was published earlier in the year by siemens financial services um, they developed a model uh, that estimated that 93 a billion pounds worth of commercial assets in the UK are at risk of becoming stranded assets. What do they mean by that? Well, essentially, um, the, the government in the UK is looking at increasing the demand for on uh, minimum energy efficiency standards, uh, saying that performance rating will have to be at least an E to be rented out. Uh, and actually, some government figures around that estimated that around 11.4% of existing commercial buildings in the country actually are failing to meet that standard, and I guess that's where they came up with that 93 billion um, figure. But it just shows you sort of the scale of uh, of, um, of of the issue around um, sustainability and energy efficiency, and and how are we going to help uh, you know bridge that gap and and get those um, get those buildings up to code? Well, I think technology is going to play a big part in that. specifically around um, workplace technology as i said i think growth is being um, uh, being driven by um, hybrid uh, working scenario and this um, especially around occupancy data Uh, we really need that to a company really needs that to inform themselves about what their future space requirements are Um, and that's um, that's very important and as you can see there um, we've estimated that um, this, the glo- globally, the occupancy analytics market in office space and, exper- and workplace experience apps will be worth around 8.7 billion by 2028, growing, as I said previously, at that figure of around 14%. Um, workplace um, apps, um, again, I think that's a very interesting type of technology. Um, it's it's around providing um, services um, and experience to to um, tenants and employees. Why is that growing? Well, I think obviously there is a need for, um, and buyers are seeing is it a, is a way to make the workplace more sticky for tenants and also for for employees. Um, so it should also help. Um, cement uh, relationships between uh, employees, help communication, and also drive some efficiencies because it provides a kind of uniformed platform uh, to provide services to to your staff or your tenants. So I think of uh, workplace experience as sort of the convergence of people, place, and technology and that's where that's where this workplace experience really fits and i think of that triumvate what is the most important component of course it's people i think we're all familiar now with the jll figure of uh 330 300 around the ratio of like you know um of, of cost of, of your staff and people that's what we're interested in as businesses right talent retention uh employee experience, personalization, Um, being able to engage and make our employees more productive. And technology is an enabler of that, right? Technology can help us get to that, get to that point to to be more efficient. So uh, with that in mind though, I you know I'm always conscious of thinking about what technology's place is. And you know, reminded me of this quote culture trumps everything. Um, What do I mean by that well i'll give you an example i mean when somebody who is normally loud right or boisterous walks into say a church or a library they lower their voice and does that mean that they've suddenly sort of changed their biology or their personality no it doesn't of course it just means they've responded appropriately to you know the cultural expectations on their behavior and that's that's what we mean by that you know is that is that ultimately you know, culture is 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 something that um, changes. Uh, it's it's the environment that changes biology, culture, and behaviour. And I think there's some great examples of this out there. Um, not speaking thinking specifically about the workplace, but think about um, you know, for example, um, I like to talk about CrossFit. Right, that type of gyms. Um, they have an extremely strong culture, um, and they've developed that you know, through um, lots of different ways, you know, I think it, it was sort of became very popular about this as a sort of antidote to what some people saw as these kind of more sanitized gyms. And they offered a, a um, an alternative to that, of, you know, creating a culture for people who who didn't want that from a gym, they wanted just to go and, you know, really work hard. And they saw the need from that and created a very strong culture behind it. Anyone who's done it, Will know, you know, they use their own language, different acronyms, you know, something I'm sure they've borrowed from, like the army, for example, um, and you know, it's been very successful, and I think that's, uh, you know, a great example of of how companies and uh, and organisations can can build culture. So going back to technology, you know, what is it for? What can it what can it help with within the within the workplace? Uh, we did some work with a company on a white paper um, a couple of years back, and we looked at sort of mapping some of these use cases. And I think that's, that's such a great place to start for companies. You know, you want to think of technology as uh, as a means to an end, not the end itself. Um, and you know, everyone has every company has different use cases, has different things that are important to them. And then if you can identify them early, um, and then think about the, selecting the most appropriate technology that might be required to um, to meet that. and we've uh, we mapped some of those uh, some of those interesting use cases for technology um, in the schematic. So just to finish off, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the vendor landscape because that's a lot of you know what we also discover discuss in our market reports. Um, and, um, you know, as I mentioned, it's um, a new, interesting, uh, relatively new, interesting types of technology. Um, and as such, you know, it's attracted a lot of startups um, and a lot of different companies to come and um, and, you know, join in here and, and offer different solutions, which is great for innovation. Um, but also, I think can often be um, confusing for buyers. Um, and, you know, with that in mind, you know, it's I think it's important. For vendors to kind of you know understand and be able to you know um, qualify um, and have a really clear idea of what they want before they go and do vendor selection um, so you know just to hammer that point home there you know we we counted of sort of specifically occupancy analytics companies uh fifty eight percent were founded in the last decade, so what we would term startups which I think gives you a real idea of um, you know, the disruptive influence that, that these type of uh, companies have had on the market they've really driven it forward. I mentioned startups and this is sort of um, uh, some of those startups uh, not obviously all of the vendors in this market but just startups um, in workplace management and occupancy analytics um, and as I said, very varied different types of companies um, at different stages of growth, Uh, But all, I think, um, really helping to, uh, you know, to to drive this technology forward. So I think that ends my uh, my slides. And, um, you know, anyone interested in uh, learning more about what we do, then, you know, please go to memory.com. Thanks a lot. Hi, Francisco
1: great thanks jim appreciate it um so uh, before we uh, before we move on to our next panelist just one question for you so just at a, a macro level um what advice would you give to organizations as they begin to think about the smart building technology journey um and sort of where do, where do you start um,
4: yeah i think you um we we did some work on this uh, Last year, beginning of last year um um we we thought quite deeply about it, I think it is an issue you know sometimes i you know I've spoken to systems integrators, master systems integrators, you know it's not uncommon for them to for a client to come to them and say, "You know, I want a smart building to which they say, "Well, okay, great, we're glad that you're interested in technology, but why do you want it right so I think that's the that really of course I mean it sounds very simple, but that's the first step. You know what is it? What what problems are you trying to solve with technology? Um, and also, what value is it that you want to deliver on your project? Um, and if you start there, I think that puts you in a good place to then understand what is important to you, and therefore what technology um, you can uh, you can go and find that's going to help you solve that problem. Then you
1: get into other issues like vendor selection. Yes, yes, well, and we'll pick that up uh, when we come back to our our panel discussion wow. in a few minutes so thank you jim appreciate it um let's uh, let's move on to our our next uh our next uh panelist here um who is uh Stephanie Leontis um who is the senior product uh, marketing manager uh from Accruant. uh so stephanie welcome
5: hi francisco thank you thank you for having us um and for
1: yes, absolutely yeah allowing us
5: to sponsor this webinar, I appreciate it. Just a really brief background on Accruent. We are one of those vendors Jim's talking about, but we are a leading provider of integrated workplace and um, asset management solutions to unify the built environment um, from everything spanning real estate management, workplace people, resource management, facilities management, equipment and asset management and maintenance, engineering document management, IOT and energy management. Um, just to give a background on what we do and where we're coming from. And I'm approaching this a little bit differently, Francisco, as you know. I didn't come with slides, but um, I do lead the product marketing department at Acruent, And as a part of that role, I'm talking with customers all of the time. We're doing roundtables. We're doing focus groups. You know, we're at the trade shows talking to folks. Um, so I thought I would approach it with a Q&A, what we're hearing from our customers and out in the, in the market.
1: No, oh, that's great. That's great, and maybe that's maybe we could start there, Stephanie. And you could maybe tell us a little bit of, as you've been having these discussions with um with uh, all of these external organizations. Um, how has the workplace changed in the past? You know, nine to twelve months. Um, you know, what are the key key things that people are highlighting as as the uh, the uh, the evolved components? Yeah. Well,
5: we all know that it's gone significant transformation right in the past three years and even in the past year. So it's uh, what we're really hearing a lot of is how it's forcing organizations to rethink how they're utilizing their office space Um, with traditional office setups, you know, needing to be more flexible now, more agile environments, the technology um, and how that's playing such a pivotal role in the change, enabling what we've all talked about and what we're talking about here, remote and hybrid work arrangements or flexibility Uh, So we're seeing a lot of interest now in room booking tools, real estate optimization, software space optimization solutions. Um, And just in the past year, I can tell you, I did a roundtable a year ago. And at the time we were talking a little bit about AI and sensors. And when I was with the group and it was primarily facilities managers, they were interested, of course, but not that much. And then just did another one at the end of September. And that was what everybody was talking about. So that's been huge over the past year.
1: Got it. And and um, if, you, if you think of, so you're definitely seeing that increased shift from not just the, what I'll call sort of the foundational technologies around managing corporate real estate and the workplace around space and projects and lease and so forth, but also now thinking about the, much more the smart building components because Um, of the workbooks and how how they're coming together.
5: Yes, absolutely. I mean, it it just, it it dominated the conversation, which was surprising to me. I mean, and I think it was the start, when I see it, it was the start of chat in January, right? That came into the forefront of conversations just in January, and that has just exploded in how people are approaching these things. Um, But also when we talk about work from home and return to office trends, I mean, we've all touched on this, right? All of the panelists and yourself at the beginning is nobody really knows what's going to happen. Is it, you know, a lot of mandates are starting to happen. They want their workers to come into the office, but we're also seeing a huge pushback. So even when you look at a large organization like Amazon, I think in February, they announced that they wanted all of their employees to return to the office in May. And then in May, there was an article about Amazon workers who are planning a walkout, you know, over return to office. Um, And we're starting to hear a lot of conversation about new generations. And I don't like to group generations into, okay, boomers like this, Gen X likes this, Gen Z likes that, because we're all flexible. We all have different situations with return to office. But I am hearing a little bit more about the Gen Z's coming in who are born 1997 and later. You're hearing that a lot, right? With facilities managers, where. A lot of um, newer generations aren't wanting to come into the into the industry, or, you know, and practice that. But it's like, how can how can we work with this new group that's coming in? And um, so, if you look at our recent Microsoft Work Trends Index analyst report, it says that their top priorities are culture, mental health, and well you know well being benefits and a strong sense of purpose. So, how do you incorporate all of that along with all of these other concerns that organizations?
1: have with their return to work excellent and you mentioned you mentioned chat you know coming to the into the discussion you know you know a few months back but what what are some of the other technology solutions that you see as really um you know um, making a big a big change in the workplace environment and experience uh, going forward
5: yeah, so what we see in, in our area, because there are solutions that we provide, which have, have, they're not new, we know they're not new, but we're seeing a strong interest in room booking tools, um, a lot of AI powered room booking tools. How do we accommodate flexibility, um, creating that seamless experience for their employees, almost like when they get that Amazon experience. Um, one of the big ones we're hearing are real estate optimization tools. Um to make data-driven decisions about their office space needs um, and to help reduce costs. Space optimization solutions within that organization to create those those workspaces, whether they're collaborative or private spaces, or Maya said, you know, which was surprising is they like the two monitors. We are finding that not everybody only wants to come in the office for collaboration, but sometimes they want a really high-tech private space as well that they may not have at home. Um, sensors, um, but I think what really stands out, like I mentioned before, was just that huge understanding of space and real estate usage. And what we're finding in our organization is 58% of organizations plan on increasing their space optimization over the next 12 months. We know that there's a greater need to aggregate series, time series data and combine with portfolio level data for greater insights. Um, we were hearing a lot of increase in investment and functionality that supports collaboration and work remote working Um, and then a lot of what I mentioned before health and well-being overwork how do you how do you do that and really understanding the market
1: Okay, great. Well, thank you, Stephanie. We have a few more questions um, for you, but we'll come back to that with the uh, the panel discussion at the uh, end of the session. Uh, but at, at this point, we'll we'll turn over to uh, to uh, actually, uh, we have a short video from one of our uh, other sponsors here, uh, FreeSpace.
5: At FreeSpace, our purpose is to organize the world's workspaces to make them as hybrid ready and efficient as possible. Free space, the space to work effectively.
1: Okay, hey, uh Nick, are we on? Can you
3: hear us? Yeah.
1: Hi Francisco, oh. how are you? Very good. All right. Excellent. Good. Good to have you on today. Uh, so, just to do a quick intro for for Nick. This is Nick Purvis, head of workplace automation uh, for FreeSpace. Um, Nick has nine years of experience as a product director and is currently the head of workplace automation at FreeSpace. His role involves strategizing the development of products that streamline operations on customer premises. Uh, Nick's expertise lies in supervising the entire product life cycle assuring each stage aligns with both current and future uh, requirements. So, um, Nick, I'll turn it over to you. I know you had a a few thoughts you want to to provide, and I know we already have a couple of questions that are coming in for you as well.
6: Okay, thanks, Francisco, and and thanks for having us here, and and thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, So, I think, just wanted to run through a few thoughts and ideas and a few figures we've been finding. Um, We all know that since the, beginning of this post-pandemic era we've seen lots of organizations really struggling to bring employees back to work Uh, you know people are showing that preference for remote working and mostly employers have been quite flexible but as we also know the debate on how that future of the workplace what it's going to look like is, is still very very far from settled back in spring last year we started to see Companies introduce these soft hybrid approaches to try and get people back into the office. Those haven't been massively successful. And we, we're now hearing that um, a study recently has shown 90% of companies worldwide are planning to implement a return to the office policy by the end of 2024. So, you know, things are going to change. We don't necessarily know how. Some of that policy certainly in Europe, has been driven by the European policymakers themselves stepping in to, to try and shape the future of work by promoting those flexible arrangements. At least six nations in the EU have proposed new legislation to govern remote work, kind of being driven by this Right to Disconnect proposal from two years ago, which was a call to try and grant employees legal rights to switch off from work um, and switch off from electronic communications outside of their regular nine-to-fives. We're also seeing a much more aggressive approach from the Fortune 500 companies. Goldman Sachs, for example, mandating that employees should be in five days a week. Um, Google factoring in-office attendance into their performance reviews. And uh, and we're hearing other companies like Starbucks and Disney opting for a, a more structured approach that's focusing on collaboration. And they're saying, you know, there are set days where we expect teams to be in the office. But allowing the employees themselves perhaps to choose when those days are so you need to be in two to three days a week but you choose which days those are which of course brings its own midweek crowding challenges but uh, you know i think it's pretty clear whether it's two or three days in the office uh, you know m- most of these large organizations are aiming to set hybrid as that work life norm and we've been tracking at free space those global working patterns for quite a while now we we have um, employee engagement apps which can record the demand for space. We have sensors that uh, will, will record the actual presence. Uh, and while the levels are still very far from the pre-pandemic uh, levels, it, it, it is very interesting what we're seeing in, in the recent trends. So the free space index, which you're seeing on here, uh, you know, we ch- we've been charting that over the years, um, and, and, and great figures. You know, things are getting busier, but still not nearly as busy as, as pre-pandemic. And then we look at the more recent trends. So our data is showing us that for the end of September, uh, there's been a dis- actually a real increase in people who want to come into the office more frequently. So perhaps this is uh, the start of these policies coming into effect. There's the back to school approach that a lot of companies are saying, summer holidays are over now, kids are back at school, we're expecting a bit of a change and we're expecting you to come back in the office as well. So we've been measuring kind of you know the three distinct groups, people who generally work from the office maybe once a week, so home workers pretty predominantly, people who are coming in two, three days a week, uh, and people, you know, that four to five true office worker. Uh, And over the last three months in the in the Americas and Canada, we're seeing a real uptick in that top blue bar, the people coming in two two to three days a week, that hybrid approach. But we're also seeing an increase in the people wanting to come in four to five days a week. And and the number of you know once only is definitely dropped over the last three months. EU and and Africa, kind of similar. They're a bit more established in their working patterns, but we have seen a three percent increase since July in occupancy, Um, and there's been an increase in their hybrid and the office worker against um, a drop in the home working. And in fact, for the first time this year, the office based, the four to five times a week, has actually been higher than the home working, which is interesting. Um, and, it, and again, in Asia and Australia, we're seeing that, that large uptick, very significant uptick in hybrid working at the expense of both the traditional four to five days and, and the homework one day. So very, very interesting recent figures. And, and you know, other studies, Bloomberg, for example, you know, they're confirming that in their models, the, the Americas and the Canadas, uh, Canada, for instance, 9% increase in, in the hybrid model. Um, Asia and Australia, a 7% increase. Europe and Africa, 4%, and that's all compared with July. And again, homeworking significantly dropped. What's also interesting is we've seen that there's been a slight increase in that four to five-day-a-week occupancy level in the Americas and Canada. So perhaps what we're seeing there is even without the mandatory policy changes, some of the smaller firms now are following the examples set by those those bigger organizations. Um, So yeah, you know, that's a little bit of what the figures are telling us. And in terms of how these big organizations are adapting to these changing needs, well one thing that's very clear is that um, they are emerging across continents. The the return to work policies and the methodologies are different across the continents and, and across different cultures. It's a big Global organisations really need to consider that, yes, they're looking to establish a global culture on working and returning to work, getting into the office hybrid, (coughs) excuse me, but it must also be an approach that will adapt to those local cultures with those regional differences. Um, And we're also seeing that, obviously, more and more global organisations, even even, um, regional organisations are looking to demand less office space. We want want to have less real estate costs. But in some cases, they can't make much of a change tied into leases. So they want to become more efficient in those same workspaces. So they're either looking for a smaller footprint uh, or to use that space more effectively. And also they will be willing to pay more for buildings that are closer to public transport, for example. We we heard earlier that a a big discouragement is the the commute. If we can make that commute easier by being closer to those hubs, then that's encouraging employees to, to engage in the office. And of course, um, paying more for premises that uh, have those good ESG and the sustainability credentials. What we're also seeing is um, a shift in the types of spaces. So because we're measuring occupancy across different workspace types, we're definitely seeing a shift from the individual focus spaces into more collaborative spaces. But also, as we've said earlier, people want to come in not just to collaborate, they also need to do some quiet work in the day as well to persuade employees to come back in the these offices need to have good amenities as we say that's not going to be the reason they come back but it will be a reason that they might not come back if the amenities are not up to scratch so good programs good technology the tools they need to be able to collaborate and to make sure that digital divide is not too great between remote and uh, in, in on-premise employees and increasingly the tools to be able to secure a space to to have confidence that when you get there you will have the space you need so hot desking solutions room booking solutions uh, are becoming really really key very definitely being able to measure that data and and many companies are recognizing that there isn't one source of data they need to use multiple sources of data to uh, to be able to track that Badge swipe data isn't giving them enough granularity for example so they need to um, bring in multiple sources uh, and at, at FreeSpace, you know, we firmly believe that, that this, the approach needs to be a human-centric approach. So there is this disconnect between employees, between the organisational culture and the workplace itself. And, w- and we need to think about the employees at the centre of all of this. Um, there are three sort of key stakeholder areas that, 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 uh, that we need to support. We have the decision makers, so the C-level executives who are, who are using data to make decisions on how the workplace should evolve and they need that actionable data. And their ultimate goal obviously is reduce costs and optimize that space. We have the operational teams who are looking to uh, to manage the space and pro- procure provider space to enable employees to work effectively. And again, they need tools to be able to hit the sustainability targets to reduce those operating costs. And of course, the, the center of all of this is the employees, so the people using that space who need those tools to be able to plan their day, to be able to find where to sit find where their employees and their colleagues are so three kind of key outcomes of the right size right design automating the buildings and, and giving those employees that exceptional experience um, are, are what those three stakeholders will, will be looking for and free spaces uh it, you know one overall integrated solution that that is is modular you pick and choose but what we're looking to do is offer the tools to to support this so it, it could be in employee engagement apps so not just reserving a space but finding out when your teams when your colleagues are going to be coming into particular buildings so you can build team days and uh, you know agree yeah Thursday's a great place I'll get the system to just sort us out a place where we're all sitting in the same area um, finding colleagues when they're actually in where are they I know they're in the building but but where are they going to be digital signage can help with that so I can see in the glass what's free where I can go and sit I can wayfind find to find where my colleagues are sitting. And then on the measurement side, we're, we're measuring occupancy. So not just there, there were 300 people in this building because we know from badge swipes, but where were those users? What, what space were they using? What were the dwell times? What are the, um, the collaborations between departments that we can work out through all of the statistics on the sensors and the app engagement? And of course, that analytics is the key. So we're giving that data out to those teams that need to be able to make those decisions, but also feeding that data into other automated systems, building management systems, so we can start to be more efficient, heating and lighting, planning ahead, um, using real data. And then finally, uh, I thought it a quick glimpse at the recent journey of one of our clients. This is um, one of the biggest financial in- and insurance companies uh, worldwide. Um, name Protect to the Innocent is withheld. Um, So their initial deployment was purely occupancy sensors and signage really to to measure the space and to direct people to where the free spaces were Uh, and gradually they rolled out more sensors to more locations they have a lot of shift workers so they needed a way to um, uh, efficiently put people into spaces throughout the 24-hour shifts so they, they put in another solution there for us and then finally with Covid when that was over they wanted an app to bring people back to work, make sure that they were socially distant. And of course, that's all gone. Um, So the app now is more about securing a space. And they're really using that data from the app and the sensors to measure the employee's response to their new global return to work policy. They've they've had a a new mandated policy out in September and they can now use these tools to measure the effectiveness of that and to engage the employees in in, how, how they should proceed Moving forwards, and so far, I say it's um, we've been measuring since July for them. Um, Apart from one region, which is China, they've actually seen an eight percent increase in real-time occupancy since July. So, you know, fascinating data that we can provide for them.
1: So, thank you, thank you for listening. Great, no thanks, Nick. Great, great uh, case study there, and uh, and marketplace uh, uh, context. Actually, why don't we bring the panel up um, so that we have everybody everybody up on the screen uh, and then we can um, we can jump into some some questions here actually um, Nick I want to start with you actually because this is a um, sort of building on what you were talking about here so the topic of immersive technology keeps coming up and I think that if you ask five people what immersive technology is you're gonna get eight or ten answers so what does that mean to you and um, and what are you seeing as some of the key um, the key Points or examples of immersive technology uh, in the workplace today? No, sure, it's a, it's a good
6: question. Um, some of the things we've been seeing uh, across our clients have been using some um, fascinating ways of, of, of bridging that digital divide. So, uh, using a lot of virtual reality tools and techniques for for training and for collaboration, even for interviewing and for recruitment. Uh, you know, really pulling things together from that. Um, we also, part of our own product is is, is a, that kind of almost a social media for the workplace with this idea of my circles and my teams. Uh, you, you're fully aware of where they are at any point in time in terms of their plans to come in. But if you wish to be excluded from that, you can make yourself uh, hidden, you know, keep that privacy. So we want to provide them with tools to make them feel part of the space, but we want to give them the opportunity to opt out as well. Um, and of course, the, you know, the, the video conferencing, the audio conferencing uh, is absolutely key um, to make sure that, that people aren't disadvantaged if they're not in the
1: office. And Jim, maybe we'll turn to you on the, on the same question. I've done some research in the marketplace on, on all these various technologies. When you think about immersive technology, what does that mean to you and, and what are you saying?
4: i suppose to me it means sort of what people have termed the metaverse doesn't it web 3.0 but um i it isn't something that we have sort of touched on specifically um you know when i see at the moment how um you know the functionality with workplace experience apps i don't think we're quite sort of at the at the stage of immersive experience um but i'm sure that we will be going more towards, certainly with communication tools. I think you know that these more bringing in virtual reality and and those kind of things. Um, where we are on that journey, I'm not I'm not exactly sure.
1: Okay, great. Nope, no, it's uh, it's certainly an open open question. Um, Maya, I'll t- turn back to you um, to follow up on some of the earlier discussions and maybe. Uh, at, Tell us a little bit about your thoughts relative to balancing cost effectiveness with the interest and need to provide an effective workplace experience for, for clients. Um, and you, certainly the, the, uh, the corporate um, entities have, have uh, I, I think, gotten to a point where there's a little bit of, you know, frustration at the senior levels, right, where they're saying, my gosh, in many cases I'm paying more or corporate real estate and the workplace now than I was before the pandemic, and my occupancy has dropped by you know another 30 or 40 or 50%, right? So um, what, what are your thoughts here? How, how do organizations just think about that balance? It's gonna, it's gonna be very important going forward.
2: Yeah, this is the daily life of a workplace person nowadays. Um, and it's a lot of pressure because uh, this is a cost center and um, um, so therefore when there are cost cuts and when people are looking at the bottom line this is the first one that uh, that gets um, uh, pressure to reduce costs uh, but at the same time service levels they t- need to stay the same right so <laughs> how do we do that um, and one way to do it is by implementing new technology and um, that you know um, software and uh, robots and you name it um, sensors analytics anything that would make us more efficient and reduce our cost uh, but at the same time maintain or improve service standards because uh, if we drop standards then you know employees will be coming even less to the office right so um, um, so so this a lot of um, uh, thought that companies put into that obviously you know, we still need to provide the the basic amenities and, um, but can we cut some of them? And can we do things in a smarter way? For example, RTO surveys, um, that that kind of makes me think about how we did those uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Instead of, you know, printing out a piece of paper with the floor plan and then going around to each desk and then making notes and then going back to your desk and entering in an Excel spreadsheet with a lot of human error. You can have an app nowadays and preload the um, the things that you want, like for example, docking station, chair, because uh, people took off a lot, uh, took a lot of things home, right? Uh, monitors, all that stuff, and then you just go with the app, um, click on it, and then um, yes, no, yes, no, yes, docking station, no monitor, uh, and then it, it gives you the report. So this this can cut the, the time by probably seventy percent. So that that's one one thing that you can do with technology. Um, obviously, collaboration tools and um, um, things like uh, sensors and and um, sensors that are tied into your lighting system or HVAC system that can turn off um, the various systems when there's nobody using it. That can save save electricity. Um, and um, um, or sensors that can tell you, oh, well, nobody's been in this bathroom today. You don't need to clean it. Right? So that kind of stuff, there are a lot of different um, ways to use technology that will help us reduce costs. And I think this is the future, and standards still stay the same because that's important.
1: Great, excellent. Um, And Stephanie, to turn to you, uh, people are highlighting lots of different examples of technology that can be deployed. And you mentioned a number yourself earlier. What what are you still seeing as some of the key uh, inhibitors or challenges? Um, that companies are facing um, relative to deploying new digital workplace technology or smart building technology, and, and how can they how can they mitigate some of those concerns?
5: Yes. Yeah. Um, well, number one is adoption, and I think it's adopting um, change management um, procedures and how to get you know the employees to adopt these. Another one is is you don't necessarily have to go really big, but evaluating what do you need. In the short term, what are you looking at? Are, are you know do you need to do you need to monitor your occupancy, your temp, your lighting, your air quality? Are you a large multinational company where you know that you want to implement a suite of technologies including IoT, AI, ML, automation, data analytics, or do you need to to do you just need to understand? where your workforce needs to sit and give them recommendations and create that experience. So we always recommend evaluate where you are and start small. Look at a vendor that can provide that future state for you and know where you want to go and make sure that's available. You want to be careful. Maybe if you start, maybe you're looking for a booking tool and that organization only does a booking tool, but then all of a sudden you're needing to understand employee preferences and behaviors and meeting rooms and moving into real estate optimization. Um, so we always I, I, we always recommend really evaluating where you are um, and creating change management to adopt that so that there is no barrier to making these changes in technology.
1: Great, excellent. And just as a, a reminder for the folks and attendees here, please do continue to add your questions to the to the chat to the question log there we'll uh, we'll we'll get those uh, to our panelists here uh, but nick let's go to you actually with a with a similar question clearly you know as you're going through and and help help clients deploy new technology you know what are some you know there's still you know we talk about you know uh, sensors and other technology in the workplace and there's still some inhibitions right or or challenges that our people have right um what um what what are you seeing there and and what are you what are you doing to help help mitigate some of that
3: there we go some
6: challenges that uh james mentioned which is the privacy concerns so uh it, you know people don't want to feel they're being monitored um certainly choosing a sensor that doesn't have cameras is, is one obvious way to to deal with that um, but also educating and engaging the, the, the workforce with what you're using that data for um, so that there is a there is a return on on that piece of information. It's it's anonymous we can help you get to spaces we can reduce costs we can spend that cost on the workplace or or on you. That that's certainly one area. But obviously there's you know the technology itself it needs to be secure it needs to be even for all um, we need to make sure that we keep an eye on the employee wellbeing. So you know that if they are home working, there's there's isolation problems, loneliness problems. We've got to make sure that work life balance is 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 managed for them. Um, and also from a leadership perspective, uh, you know how are we going to cope with this new pattern of the midweek crowding? So we're saying you know we're we're very low on occupancy, but actually Tuesday through Thursday we're at really high occupancy. So so that's another challenge to to deal with. Um, and again maybe. Looking at how people come in and, and how we can share that that balance of of the workspace is important there. Um, and of course, that cultural alignment. You know what we ultimately are trying to drive forwards with a company is is to help them to 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 you know manage and, and evolve their corporate culture.
1: And that's very difficult to do if people aren't coming in. Um, Nick, you talked a little bit about cameras, uh, and the topic keeps coming up around. AI-enabled camera technology um, and, uh, and how that can be used or, you know, going forward, should it be used, etc. cetera. Um, we'll get some perspectives from the group there, but maybe you can kick us off.
6: Yeah, I mean, you know, the camera technology is, is is very powerful, but it's also, I mean, we, we have a client who um, we put uh, ceiling-based sensors in, which can tell you, um, you know how many people are in meeting rooms, how many people are occupying desks, all from a, a nice small number of sensors up in the ceilings. And their first question is, can these read the documents that are on the desk? You know, the answer is no; these are not camera-based. But there are a lot of other sensors out there that are, and there may be a place for those, but perhaps not in your sensitive areas. Um, and then, of course, in in certain areas, in in the, in Europe, for example, the, the in Germany, the workers' council, they can be as anonymous as you like. But sensors are just. You know a real real frowned upon um, because they think it's an infringement on on you know monitoring their own work patterns which of course they're not but that's 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 the way so yeah choosing a sensor that that has the right um
1: you know the right privacy in there is really important Uh, Jim I'll turn to you I know you have some thoughts on this as well
4: yeah no absolutely um privacy around surveillance is you know massive topic um, especially in the workplace i just say like it's a cultural thing as well in different parts of the world there are different um, cultural sensitivities to it Um, but it's also about the application of the technology Mm -hmm. i mean i think there is some Amazing implementations of AI and cameras, for say, for example, like workplace safety in a in a factory or industrial environment, right? So, and that's a clear, you know, a clear benefit not just to the company but to the workers as well. So, you know, it's about finding, um, you know, use cases again, right, that that are going to work for you and improve your productivity and and make your workplace your
1: workforce more, um, you know, have a better experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, Jim, let's stay with you for a second, because one of the questions that came in earlier was uh, around the topic of vendor selection. So you showed a slide that had, I don't even know how many logos on it, right, a and, 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 uh, 100 plus logos on it of different, different companies, and I'm sure that's a small subset of the organizations that you guys are tracking in the marketplace. Uh, you know, vendor selection, software selection in this digital workplace arena, smart building arena, is extremely complex. Um, give us what are your thoughts there, and where should organizations um, start? You know, how do they think about use cases? How do they prioritize? You know, what, what are your what are your recommendations there?
4: Yeah, so I mean, I think we just we touched on use cases before. Um, I think to, you know you can you can work through that, you can workshop that. You know with your team to understand what it is that you know what goals you want to achieve um, <clears throat> what you what value you see that there is to add so I think that that's obviously where to start and that's a big part of it I think vendor selection I mean I would say you know obviously being able to create a great RFP document which really boils down what it is that your requirements are is a, is a great way to start, to be very clear to to vendors about what it is that you you want from the technology. For example, uh, data standards, um, you know, what you're going to use with that data, how you want to get it out. That, that's That's one part of it. How you want to integrate it. Do you want to integrate all of these things you can put in a comprehensive document? And I think that's a great way to engage with vendors and get them to answer those questions about You know what are their capabilities and that's that's a good place to start um also and nick touched on this as well uh starting small as you know if you really are new to this you know perhaps a proof of concept um to test on maybe one floor of your building one part of a floor of your building um to really understand the, the 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 technology and see how it works for you before you sort of jump into doing you know a full implementation across your portfolio. Um, those are just sort of
1: two, I think, fairly common sense basic ways to start. Great. And Stephanie, uh, from your perspective, clearly a current, you guys have gone through uh, the selection process um, um, many, many times, right? Uh, innumerable number of times. Um, from the perspective of one of the, you know, the
5: Oops, I lost your audio, Francisco. Sorry, I didn't hear, I'm not hearing the question. I don't know if it's just me.
3: No, the audio, I can't hear. Okay, yeah, I didn't hear the question. I think you're still out, yeah. So, Francisco, I don't think we're hearing you. We're not hearing you, Francesco. He, he may not be hearing us, actually.
0: No, we don't hear you. Um, well, I, I think, Francisco, I, I, we're not hearing your your microphone. I think Stephanie was getting ready to ask you a question about your experiences in the same environment. So let's keep it going. We'll see if Francisco can get his mic back on.
5: As far as how we work with our customers
0: yeah what you're finding in the in in the in the uh, customer environment in the industry and how you're working with customers
5: yeah so usually they'll come to us our customers will have had a pain point obviously right that that's spurring this whether it's market conditions whether it's something that happened internally so we look at that we look at the big picture and how do we solve for them what their needs are and so we always start at that point and try to determine. And sometimes they think they may come in and say, I just need a booking solution. I just want something where, you know, my, my employees can come and sit. But as you start exploring with them, you find out, well, they may want or need more than that. So we open that discussion up. And so as we approach it, it's always solution-based. It's never trying to push additional softwares on them to find out where are they going? What are their plans? What do they want to do with their smart building environment? And how do we fill those gaps?
0: Maya, I think uh, you you could probably chime in here too. I'm very interested in uh, your uh, perspective, not only on that, but even on workplace, uh, like like wayfinding, I think it was one of the things we talked about during the planning discussion. Was some people don't find a, a good use for that, but other times uh, there might be. What What are you thinking? From what you're seeing for when when companies are considering applications for their ten, their tenants or their employees.
2: Yeah, to to um, echo what Stephanie was saying, it needs to be need based um, because uh, if. Uh, they get a solution that they didn't need, it's going to become obsolete pretty soon. Uh, they won't be using it. Um, and also it's important that it's integrated uh, into whatever else they're using, because if they need to log into 50 different apps, they'll just use two or three of them maximum, or maybe just even one. So integration and um, um, uh, for the apps to be smooth and like uh, seamless uh, in, in connecting with each other, it's really important. Uh, And initially, uh, this market was very fragmented in that uh, you you needed to get like five different apps to meet a basic need. Nowadays, there's a lot more integration, which is amazing, and uh, a lot of open APIs, uh, a lot less proprietary stuff. So it makes it a lot more open and easy. And uh, as far as wayfinding, I mean, I personally implemented this uh in a, a couple of portfolios and i found it super useful and it increased our engineering efficiency significantly uh, because people didn't need to walk around and look for the various equipment things like for example i love giving an example with the lab where you would have um, eye washing stations and um, um you know we would have probably 10 in a lab building and it's like, like elaborate And uh, the tech goes into the PM and finds five out of the nine or 10, and then they leave because they couldn't find them. And then we're out of compliance and it took the whole day to do the PMs. If you have it all on an app and you can find it quickly, it would take probably two hours and they'll find them all. Here we go. Like 80% of the time is saved. So that's just one small example. But there's so many ways to be more efficient. But it it needs to be need based and um, to be in line with uh, what people would use. And they need to have buying because if they don't have buying, they'll not they they won't use it no matter how many presentations leadership does. Um, Because I tried that. It took two years to implement that app and one tech saw it and they're like oh yeah it's great and then everybody started using it and they said why didn't you tell me earlier we had this tool <laughs> and i said i've been presenting to you for two years on this so yeah it's uh, yeah it, it it it's complex and um uh but it starts with with the culture and, and getting to the right level of the organization and getting buy-in.
0: yeah jim i i think you might have the quote of the webinar start small with a proof of concept, so I think that's probably a. I, if, if you if I look at the live audience, if you don't remember anything else about this webinar, remember that quote. Uh, what do you think? What what about some of the tenant apps, Jim? Uh, the 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 usage of them. I I did hear a statistic earlier where you know they had 20 or 25 different functions within the app, but after they started measuring those functions. Three or four were the ones that were being used, and so I just don't know what you're seeing on the research side.
4: I think mine made some good points there about um, number one integration um, and also sort of more functionality being brought together, and I think that's super important for customers because you know I think we all know app fatigue is is a real thing. Um, we don't want to be having to install too many applications on our phones but also just from a, a user experience and functionality perspective like it 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 is a better experience like that so so yes we're seeing companies um bring together a bigger suite of of you know of 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 uh, applications um and actually that's driving in the, interestingly in the market you know we're seeing consolidation as well so There is, um, you know, a lot of uh, there's been a lot of investment. There's still investment, but there's now also acquisitions happening. And that is also driving sort of um, companies. Well, well, I would say given
0: the slide you showed earlier with all of those uh, logos on it, we would be praying for mergers and acquisitions. (laughs) Right. That's what we need. Stephanie, did you have you? Did you did you want to comment on that?
5: On the mergers and acquisitions, and either that, or either
0: that, or that. Or just where the technology is going, things that are different today that you you know you've learned uh, over the last two years. It was people were trying to implement things two years ago that uh, now, is uh, so, some are showing, proving themselves useful, others are not.
5: Yeah. Um, it, it, It goes back to what their needs are Um, and for some organizations some of those advanced features may be useful if it's a large organization Um, and and how things are changing where you're right it came there were a lot of single solution providers but I think as organizations especially larger ones start looking they're finding that they really want to look at that entire picture and how it's changing and the biggest change is is providing the data analytics and all of that. I mean that that pulls all of that information together from whether it's your leasing solution or your facilities management solution or whatever that might be to really understand and analyze occupancy and identify underutilized spaces, optimizing space usage. So I mean, you do have all of these single solution providers, but we are seeing companies more and more looking for that bigger picture. So even if they I initially, we're only looking for a room booking solution or an event management solution or facilities management solution. The big question is the data. How does that integrate? How do I get the data from all of my various sources? And how do do I use that together? We've talked to customers where, I, I mean, we're developing a product right now that's in beta that analyzes complete global real estate portfolios, right? It looks at your space management, your facilities management, your energy management, your leasing standards, so that you can look on this big global picture and know this one's coming up for lease as you're doing your real estate planning. Um, This is the utilization we get. This is what we don't get. But what we're hearing, the point of that was more is what we're hearing as we're going to beta and we're talking to our customers, some of them are saying, we have a department of 25 people that work all year long to aggregate this for real estate planning. So there's a strong need, whether it's a single-point solution or a larger solution, to know what to do with that data, be able to get it without it being difficult, and having it integrate with all of your other systems.
0: Yeah, I think, let me, Nick, I want to bring you in on this because I think exactly what Stephanie just outlined there not only contributes to the quality of the workplace, but some of it is helping companies meet their ESG goals, their net carbon zero settings, all of that. What are you seeing?
6: Yeah, absolutely. Um, firstly, picking up James comment about integration, you know, being able to and, and Stephanie, being able to pull those data in from different sources or offer the data out to different sources is, is, is a real key. And it's something that we've seen changing. It's becoming a lot more open, which is really, really fantastic for, for the customer. Um, and and the ESG targets, you know, we, we have, uh, again, some of our customers have very aggressive targets. And the only way they're gonna meet those targets is is to reduce the cost of the space in terms of lighting and heating and spreading people out through a building that they don't actually need all that space for. So, um, you know, being able to, even if it's not a a demand driven, if it's just you turn up and you find a space using the wayfinding screens, we shouldn't be offering them all the floors until we know that there's enough people in the building to merit opening another floor. So using sensors and integrating with the building management systems to to, to offer that control. The wayfinding can say, you know, floors one through to five are open, go and sit anywhere. Those are all those spots. Seven, eight, nine, we're keeping locked for the moment and there won't be any power. Um, But even that is going to require a change in in people's attitudes to the workplace. Uh, You know, there might be a team that comes in on a Tuesday and a Friday. They always want to work in the same place. And if you've closed that floor on a friday then nose is going to get out of joint you know everybody has to, to recognize that there needs to be changes and the technology can drive it but people have to have to get on board as well and we've got to yeah. show them what those savings
0: are yeah but my my uh, jump in here because I, these some of these buildings aren't constructed that way you, you the the hvac system is not set up that way you can't take advantage of that kind of capability when you have an hvac system that has is completely zoned, multiple zones per floor. You have complete control over it. Uh, that's one thing, but if you've got an older system, especially, and then even in retail, the retail people don't even wanna talk about it because every every space is uh, controlled by the retail space. What do, what do you think, Maya?
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Um, A lot of buildings are much older buildings that are not constructed this way. They don't have zoning um, and that poses a challenge. Uh, So it's either upgrading the um, building management system and the HVAC system um, and uh, and also making it uh, more uh, interactive because there's a lot of proprietary uh, restrictions there. And even if if it's possible to integrate sensors, there are a lot of obstacles um, uh, to, to doing that. Um, And uh, then there are the really old buildings where they don't even have an HVAC system. And these are perfect because then you can connect the units directly to the sensors. Uh, And so strangely enough, the really, really antiquated um, equipment is better suited to um, uh, to this uh, integration and energy savings than than the newer equipment. So the, the equipment that's in the middle um, needs to be restructured.
0: Well, well I would say to, to that uh, maybe Stephanie you could jump in. But uh, you know, just knowing some of my clients and knowing some of the, uh, the experiences that we had in different buildings, uh, when when a uh, owner, a business owner, a, a, a building owner, is struggling. With tenant reduction, tenant uh, lease renegotiations, the last conversation they're going to have is, "You need a new HVAC system, right?" That's not going to work, uh, and and uh, so there's this balance between the tenant leases and the the, the capabilities and how they're going to meet this. And I think in some cases too, I think I, I thought about it when Nick was talking some of them uh, don't have a, a, a data warehouse or a data collection mechanism in place. So the technology person is saying, we've got to do this, this, and this first. And they're looking at you like, are you out of your mind? I don't know what kind of conversations you're having with clients, Stephanie.
5: Yeah, it, it, you know, if it's one or two buildings they have, it may go back to, we need to retrofit or whatever we need to do. If it's a larger organization, that's where we're seeing that lease data come in and when they're comparing, and we've all talked about the flight to quality and the A-class building, and that's where they're making those decisions and using their leasing data to if they have to reduce, which so many are reducing their portfolios because of the changes in the workforce, those are some of the ones they're looking at to reduce, taking into other considerations too, usage and 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 you know, some other cost savings factors. But. Yeah, Any, those are the ones that are being reduced.
0: Let me. We just got another minute or so. Let me continue on with you, Stephanie, and then I'll pick up Nick. Sure. Uh, what What's what What should people expect in the next 12 to 18 months? That's That's different, or or uh, de- definitely, we're heading in that trend.
5: Um, I think AI capability. Um, talked to a lot of industry leaders recently, um, and we were we were having a focus group and a roundtable and AI will dominate. I mean, we we had people, we're talking about camera sensitivity with privacy concerns. There were people in that that where they wanna see consultants, they'd like AI tools that are listening to conversations at meetings to then come up with what's the next topic of the meeting that we need to talk about. So talk about privacy concerns. And we had some cybersecurity folks in that as well, talking about what's already being input um, into chat at NLP. Um, systems and it's scary but i think that we're going to see that advance in the next year all right nick come with that with privacy
0: you get the final you get the final word (laughs) i I totally agree on uh, stephanie on the ai
6: um that is going to come to dominate Uh, but i also think from a a customer perspective more and more of them are going to be appreciating and, and applying the thinking to the design of that office to boost productivity Um, You know, that they they need people to come in, they need people to deliver um, and, and whereas before there were a lot of trailblazers on that, we'll call it the hybrid thing, you know, I think more and more now are being forced into they simply have to look at that because that will also drive the cost down if they're using the space more efficiently.
0: Yeah, you, it's a great, great point. Uh, 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 let me just wrap up here because I want to mention something about AI in my in my closing here, so that's good. First of all, thanks again to our panelists for your valuable contr- uh, contributions for today. Uh, great discussion. Sorry we lost Francisco. For all you Francisco Alcoba fans, you know i think our uh, our 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 uh, approval rating just you know took a big dive because uh, he 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 went off camera so uh, we'll, we'll get him back uh, francisco is a great partner with Realcom, and we use him often for uh, panel discussions maya you, you well know you were on a panel discussion with him so that was great so just lots of information i hope that was useful to our audience and whether you've joined us live or you're watching this as a recording thank you for tuning in be sure to register for uh, Rocom's next webinar in the series "Workplace Evolution Trends and Immersive Experiences" that's on October 19th. We'll focus a lot more on workplace models, case study analysis, and more on the future. So uh, you'll 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 see a good supplement to this discussion. Then, uh, speaking of AI, on October 26th, we're going to start a new two-part series for the first time, tracking the rapid advancement of AI maturity in the commercial real estate sector. Uh, we start off with definitions, with what it, what that actually means, how chat GBT, generative AI, all of the different functions and features, and we've collected a ton of information that we can't wait to share with you in this two-part series. So that'll be uh, October 26th and November the 2nd. So um, do look forward to all of that. Again, final thanks to our sponsors for making this possible. We uh, enjoy your partnership and we enjoy your contributions to all of our educational webinars, our panel discussions, our forums, and and the conference as well. So with that, uh, appreciate everyone's attendance. Thanks for uh, joining us today. That's it for us. Be safe and we'll see you next time. Thank you, Chuck. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.
3: Bye.